Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. The following podcast is a W2M Network original production. Visit W2Mnet.com for all of our other great podcasts, plus news, reviews, articles, and opinions from the worlds of wrestling, video games, football, and entertainment. Good evening, everybody. It is that time. Welcome to This Week in the AFL. And a little bit of a bittersweet night tonight, as this is the 2017 season finale. Yes, it seemed like we just yesterday we were talking about the team, league expansion, kickoff, and what this season was going to bring. And now, here we are on the precipice of Arena Bowl 30. I'm Eric Watkins, and joining me tonight, Scott Soares, fellow member of the AFL Fan Council. We don't go back a little bit of a ways. Scott, how you doing tonight? Doing all right. Happy to be out here in Philly. Oh, I, I wish I was up there. I mean... Tampa Bay, I love you, but could you beat in Philly at least once during the season? Give me some hope of making a drive down to Amelie Arena for the title game. The trip to Philly, come on now. It's not quite conducive for me. (laughs) But alas, we got a few things to cover tonight. We're going to start first half of the show with kind of where we are, where the league is, and touching a little bit on indoor football in general. Consider this as a little bit of a preview for an article that I will have up on Inside the Arena within the next couple of weeks, just kind of going in-depth, state of the sport, if you will. But, we have a little bit of a breaking news, as came down the wire this afternoon, Normally, Arena Football League in tradition, week of the Arena Bowl or during the game itself, they announce future expansion. This year, we thankfully have a little bit of a treat as Newark, New Jersey and Albany, New York are going to be two sites that should see Arena Football teams next season. Going back to the days of the New Jersey Red Dogs with Tommy Maddox, who XFL, NFL with the Pittsburgh Steelers, and those of us who know the league and some of the historians remember the old Albany Firebirds before they moved to Indiana. So I wanted to ask you, Scott, to start with this. This seems like it's good news, very good news. How should we take this? You know, it's, it's it's we're definitely in a different era of, of arena football, and and you know we're not expanding for just expansion's sake. So, um, providing the the working theory right now is correct that it's actually the New Jersey Devils who are going to own both franchises because their uh, their farm team is is located in Albany. Um, it actually brings in a lot of a lot of possibilities for future. I mean, what happens if the Minnesota Wild gets a new team and 
their farm teams in Des Moines, Iowa. Do we see barnstormers come back? There's there's a lot of lot of really great potential in, with this concept they're putting together. Well, in I oh bringing back the barnstormers to the AFL that. Having seen Barnstormers 2.0 in person, that would really be a treat. Now, you mentioned the idea with the Devils, that ownership group, taking over and owning both teams. Fairly convenient. I like the idea that we do have very experienced owners with big franchises taking over multiple teams. What... With Ted Leonsis, and now if this is true, Devils ownership, each taking two teams, bringing the total to seven, is this going to be something of a trend we're seeing, or is this Commissioner Scott Butera reaching out saying, hey, we know you have nearby markets we're interested in, let's work out some sort of package? Well, Ted mentioned um, earlier this year that that's something they wanted to do, have each each franchise own two franchises. So I do think it's something that they're ultimately shooting for. It's an easy, quick way of expanding, and, and you've got the guys that already know how to run a professional franchise, already have the offices in place, already have everything they need to, to put together a team. They've got it there. So I just it's it's there's some good stuff. Well, so in, this is a good thing, and especially if they resurrect some of the old teams, some of the names that bring back much fonder memories of the league in its glory days. And you mention each franchise owning two franchises. So we'll look at, say, a Tampa Bay. Would we see them trying to bring back a team in a secondary market like Orlando or somewhere else in Central Florida? Sure hope so. It'd be great to see um, see Orlando and, and Tampa back together again. What would be really odd about that is having Tampa actually own Orlando. You know, they all had such such a big rivalry, such a hated rival, rivalry between those two teams to be owned by the same ownership group would be kind of a trip. Oh, definitely. And as the saying goes, well, kind of modified, ownership can make some strange bedfellows, and. This kind of ties into where I see the league and is really part of indoor football. There's been some issues with the former AFL team, the Arizona Rattlers, going to the IFL. There's been some reports about stability and ownership in the IFL. We've seen the upstart NAL, another former AFL team, the Jacksonville Sharks, Going into that league, essentially starting that league, issues there. They're trying to expand and stabilize. The AFL, what we've seen over the past four or five years. I'm hoping that with this expansion, we see stabilization at the top, at least here on American soil. China, they have their separate issues pushing back the start of the season. That's a whole topic for more of another day, and I'll go in depth for my article, but I'm finally starting to get a sense of optimism in hearing this news, and I haven't had that sense of optimism in a long time. Do you, am I crazy here? Do you see the same things, or 
Is this just a part of another, ah, uh, let's wait and see how this fleshes out? No, I don't think you're crazy at all. I think we've got a, a really good setup. This is this is looks to be the first time, actually, well, I guess second time in the history of the league that they haven't lost a team. The only other team, only other year they didn't lose a team was 2008, and we know how that season ended. Oh yeah, so, you know. So we've got we've got a lot a lot of stability now. They finally got rid of the guys who were doing this as a hobby. Mm -hmm. you know, they may be great people, great owners. But they were really rich guys that just wanted to own a professional football team and see what that was like, you know. So it's all about ownership. You know, I've said any market can work. You know, there is no such thing as a bad market. There's only such thing as bad ownership. Right. Um, You're talking talking about the stability. You know, that all these teams that left left the AFL to go to the IFL. You know, they were all touting that this league's so much more stable. Well, you know what? In reality, it isn't. If you look since 2010, the IFL has lost more teams than the AFL has. Um, if you get a chance, go to the go to the wiki page for the Indoor Football League and look at the chart of teams that have, have come and gone. It's it's amazing. And for them to say that it's a more stable league is, is just ridiculous when you look at who owns these teams currently in the AFL. Yeah, and with the IFL, it's really even more shocking because the teams that they've lost and... What they're doing even now with in-house competition, with these franchise games and things like that, which I won't even get started in, their main thing is, okay, we're going to make this league regional. And you see all of these other leagues that are saying, we're going to try a fairly regional approach. And the AFL is rising above saying, okay, we've got markets and great regions will work. As you said, their idea any market can work as long as you have the right ownership with now oh go ahead i say i want to add to that that they do they are keeping it regional they're they're mm -hmm. intentionally keeping the afl regional right now because of the lack of teams they're not keeping it regional because they want to be regional right but why would you go clear across country for one or two teams when everybody else is all on the east coast you know it makes sense to keep everything in the same time zone for time being and just slowly work your way west as opposed to, once again, hey, you want a team? Here, you can have a team in Idaho. Hey, you want a team? Let's put a team in, in Seattle. They may be great teams, great owners, but you're setting yourself up. And, and they're finally learning that lesson and not just handing out franchise rights to whoever wants it. Right. And this really is a beautiful thing. I know right now, Tampa Bay, little bit of an island, but the fact that keeping everybody in the eastern time zone and a lot of flights only a few hours north for each time, that's really a good thing. And then all of these other, between New York, New Jersey, Cleveland, Philadelphia, Washington, Baltimore, these trips can be made by bus. And this is a great sort of rebirth and a starting point. And with that, with this expansion... Do you see it getting into a point to where, within, say, five years, we end up finally stop having transition years and say, okay, now we're reapproaching going national again? You know, I don't know that it's going to be a reapproaching going national. It's just going to be a slow build out west. It's just going to, we're going to start out the east and work our way west. Um, but I think stability is here. It's not a matter of when will we get stability. 
this like so this is gonna be the second time in league history where we haven't lost a franchise during the offseason. I mean that's that's unheard of. So you know, they're doing good things, they got the right people in place, they're and they're building it the right way. So yeah, I mean we're we will it's not a matter of will we be in a national league again, it's when will we be a national league again. And I'm hoping, because I'm seeing right now, we're wrapping up 2017, going into 2018, and I hope maybe there's a case for an even number of franchises, so that way you won't have to worry as much about bye weeks, but that's another argument. And I guess, in hearing this news, and seeing everything that's going on, I've always considered the AFL as really a the top tier arena league. And I think China's really going to join them. And I would have a whole bunch of ideas about a true world championship, this and that, but those would be years away. And then you have China China did China did say recently that they're looking to have the actual world championship next year. That's part of the reason for moving their season. So they're look they're looking to actually bring the AFL champs out to China to compete. Now will that happen? That remains to be seen, but I know that's a goal of theirs for next year. Right, and that's a little bit of a logistical issue because if you're going to start up a world championship, you would have to have it at the very least rotating sites. One year the AFL champs head over to China, and then the other year the Chinese champs come stateside. So I'm not exactly sure of how that's going to work because you're talking some long flights. <laughs> yeah, and you know, and I think part of the part of the reason to do it over in China, at least for the first few years, is as they're as the Chinese are building their skills. Mm-hmm. Um, so you got to remember they they have to have Chinese players on these teams. Oh yeah, they're not they're not going to be the level. Let's let's say the Seoul win this weekend. You can't put the Seoul up against one of these Chinese teams because the Seoul will destroy them. Mm-hmm. But I will say these Chinese players will get good, and and when they do get good, the AFL is going to be going to China, going, hey, we want this guy, this guy, and this guy, because there's enough people there, there's enough t- talented people in that in that country, they'll flock to it and they will become stars quickly. Yeah, and especially with all the infrastructure they're building, they even started out with the university championships in for gridiron football as they're building all sorts of stadia for soccer in places, they're like, hey, we want this to be our form of football. And if you're reaching out to this population and saying, hey, we're liking the sport, as you said, you're going to start seeing an ever-increasing talent pool. These teams are going to get, the players are going to get better and better, and thus creating better and better teams. And I hope... Sorry, it's the fastest growing, um, fastest growing middle class in the world, and mm-hmm. that's where the AFL, that's where the AFL's bread and butter is is in the, is in that middle class. Those are the people who buy up the bulk. So, you're talking a billion and a half people, the fa- world's fastest middle class or growing middle class. Why wouldn't it succeed there? I mean, every oh. city, the, the small city they're in, is three times the size of Chicago. And, and, and that alone is just crazy because if you even factor you say the middle class well their middle class is bigger than the population of our entire country oh absolutely by a lot 
Yeah, and that's something to think about. And kind of to touch on it, and as we wrap up really the first half, do you see the AFL kind of going back to their glory days or even getting a sniff of that? And will China get on that level overseas? China's going to do as well as the state-sponsored media will let them. So China's is kind of its own beast. But as for the AFL, you know, it kind of depends on what you mean by the glory days. I mean, most people say the the, the NBA days were their glory, or sorry, uh, NBC days were their glory days. I mean, NBC days is what broke the league. So you know, is that really glory? You know, they were still losing franchises back then. Um, I think what we will see is a stronger league than we've ever seen before. Um, do I think the players are going to make as much as they did back in 2008? No, unfortunately, I don't see that happening anytime soon. Um, but it will still be the top indoor league by a long shot, and that's not going to change at all. Well, I would kind of hope, especially for the league to remain stable, I hope not, because granted, while the NBC days were fun, kind of like the days when I first started getting into the league early 2000s, like around 01, 02, all the way up to 05, and I figure, hey, this is a great time, good sport, perfect for a summer Saturday when there's nothing on, all right, I can get into this. <laughs> I think we're getting there, but like I said, the strength and ownership is where it's all going to be. They just have to keep on this, this path and keep getting these guys that know what they're doing. All right, hey. Couldn't agree with you more. And with that, we're going to take a little bit of a commercial break. But when we come back, it's time. We'll be breaking down the big game. Hard to believe it, 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 it's right around the corner. We're, we're just a couple of days away. We're, we're this close. This close. But you're listening to This Week in the AFL. And we will be right back. Hello to all you Arena League football fans out there. I want to personally welcome you to join us, AFL Fan Zone, every Tuesday night at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time for a weekly recap of all things AFL. You got stuff to do on the weekends, which means you probably don't have time to sit down and watch every single game every week. That's where AFL Fan Zone comes in. Not only do we break down the week, but we provide you with everything you need to stay up to date with the AFL, including Players of the Week, Power Rankings, and the Weekly Standings. Best part is, the recap is fully interactive between the viewers and the host. Just search AFL Fan Zone on YouTube and you can find all of our archive videos, including game previews, recaps, and weekly updates. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and at our website at www.aflfanzone.com. AFL Fan Zone, your internet home for the best AFL fans. Hi, I'm Donovan James, and welcome to the Don James High School Football Report, everybody, where we discuss and debate the hottest prep and college football recruiting topics in the country every week, only here on NGSC Sports, 9.30 Eastern. For more, follow me on Twitter at Don James Sports. It's game time, boys, and we know football. Football the Max is the podcast for you if you want in-depth analysis over the NFL and college football. We preview all the action coming your way over the weekend. And we break down all the big action after it's happened. Plus, we tackle all the big news topics and discuss everything when it comes to the gridiron. So come check out Football to the Max every Tuesday morning and Friday morning on the W2M Network. 
Are you an arena football fan looking for the latest news involving your team? Inside the Arena has you covered. Check us out for the latest news around both the Arena Football League and the Chinese Arena Football League. Read all of our stellar articles at InsideTheArena.org. Also, follow us on Twitter at Inside underscore Arena. And like us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash InsideTheArena. And welcome back to what is the final segment of the 2017 season for this week in the AFL. I'm Eric Watkins alongside Scott Soros. And Scott, here we are. Now, I was one of, I'm sure, a sizable portion, but the only one amongst the Inside the Arena crew who picked this particular matchup, Tampa Bay, Philadelphia. I thought I was going to be making a quick jaunt down to Amelie Arena to see the game, but was not meant to be. Now, as the hype builds, I know you're in the the hotel you say that you would start it, hearing it get loud as the team arrived. What's the general buzz around the hotel and the rest of the city as game time approaches? Well, you know, um, the location of this hotel is a little different than how it was the last couple of years. Um, down in Arizona, the hotel was almost attached to the arena. Um, in, in Stockton, before that, same same kind of situation. The hotel was right next door to the arena, so there's a lot more activity. And, and of course, in Stockton, both teams were there because it was kind of a not really neutral site game. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but um, so it's a little bit different because we are kind of removed. We're actually kind of even removed from the city here oh, know, wow. at the airport. Yeah. So I mean, the closest thing other than other hotels here to go to is a gas station. That's about a half mile walk from here. So it's it's definitely, yeah, a different atmosphere. Um, But um, the players just arrived today. And like I said, you knew the moment they got here because the hallways got real loud. Um, They're, they're excited. These guys are pumped up. They're ready to play. Um, But at the same time, you know, they just had a long trip, just kind of settling into things. Um, It's we'll see how tomorrow goes tomorrow with the awards and, and uh, media day and everything. Um, kind of get we'll get a much better feel of how the how the players are feeling. Yeah, and and it's always a little bit of curiosity for especially a team like Tampa Bay. They haven't had go too good of a look at Wells Fargo Center this season, and with Philadelphia defending champs, one loss, and you kind of wonder what's really going through their heads and are they feeling any sort of pressure because now they're this close to going back to back yeah i I think philly's pretty confident um they know what they're doing they've been in this situation many times before having a little technical difficulties on scott's end connection cut out a little bit uh, yep, Philadelphia, they are calm and collected. And right now we're going to work, see if we can get Scott back. But yes, Philadelphia, as we were mentioning, they have been here before. They were just here last year. Sort of a surprise win, beating Arizona. But now considered the favorite. I haven't checked the lines, but we discussed earlier in the week with Tim Capper. You were looking at 
about 11 points, which is pretty significant. And for me, I'm also curious as to how Tampa Bay is doing. They went from opportunity worst to first. Last year, 2-14, bounced out of the playoffs with a thud. Now, 10-4, and four, on their way back. And here, Scott, I believe we have you back. Yeah, I'm sorry about that. Hotel... Hotel internet can be always a little janky. Yeah, oh, trust me. I've dealt with that more times than I care to remember. But before we had a little difficulty, you were saying about Philadelphia being basically their cool, calm, collected selves. Yeah, I mean, Philly's, Philly's is the team. They're they're loaded. They're loaded from top to bottom. They, they've got experience. I mean... <laughs> They're just absolutely confident, and I don't see why. I hate to say it because I'd love to see Tampa make a good run. I don't see why Tampa or Philly doesn't just run away with this. Unfortunately, I, you know, I'd like to see a nice close game. But then again, I thought the same thing about the the brigade last or two weeks ago, and they put up quite the fight. So you know, this is arena ball; anything can happen. Yeah, and I was mentioning Tampa Bay. It's like they have an opportunity not just to win their first title in nearly fifteen years. This is their first Arena Bowl in seven years. They've got a shot at going worst to first in the biggest way. So, is there anything to where it's like they know some of the players that have been there before, they've tasted championships on other levels. It's Is there that sort of a vibe, or are these kind of still some teeny butterflies? I, you know, I think there's some of that, but I think because of the way the league is with the, with the small amount of teams and the players have come from everywhere, um, Tampa kind of did a little bit of a rebuild. And so I think these guys, even though they were winning the entire season, still had a little bit of figuring out who they were, how they're going to play, how they all interact with each other. Um, and you've got guys that do have experience. You've got guys that have no experience in the big game. Um it's kind of a, a, a neat little hodgepodge with this uh, Tampa team. Um, I think each guy's going to want it for a different reason. You want guys who've tasted it before, they want to taste it again. You get guys who've never been there before, and they want to make that impact. I mean, you look at, you know, you talk about going from worst to first. You know, you look at the, the injury Hippert had last year, and to come back and play like he has this season, I mean, he's been incredible. He's another one of those kind of unfortunate worst to first with you know with the injury last year. Yeah, so I think he, you have people trying to make a name. Oh yeah, I mean with Hippard, he was having an MVP type of season last year. I mean he's got my vote for MVP this season. And going into a little bit of the X's and O's, I see particular matchups like how are the defense going to prepare for Hippard? What's Coach Ron James going to do those first couple of drives? Is Rodabaugh going to be measured, settled, accurate? Or is he going to have moments like he's had throughout the season to where those first five, six passes can be a little bit off? A little bit over, a little bit under. So there's, out of all of the matchups and scenarios, what do you see as some of the big keys? You know, I think the key is is really going to be on on Tampa's end. Um, you know, Dan's Dan has had his issues in the past, but if you looked at what he did last year in the Arena Bowl, he stepped up huge 
when it mattered. He came into he came into the big game, and he, you know, last year was just a breakout season for Dan. He really he really settled into the quarterback that he can be. Um, but I think the the changes and the challenges have to come from Tampa. Tampa has to get a couple bar balls, make those, take advantage of any little window they get. Um, because if if they don't take advantage of those mistakes and those little and those little opportunities, Philly's Philly's just too strong, and. and so they'll do just what they've done all season long and just roll through whoever's in front of them. I, I really can't argue because one of Tampa Bay's best attributes is when they're at their best, they are extremely opportunistic. They find ways to take advantage of every single mistake. But unfortunately for them, the soul, they're a team that really aren't prone to making any mistakes. So, whenever you see that little bit of daylight, if you're the storm, you have to take advantage. And that's that's exactly going to be the key. I mean, like I said, that you look at the, the game against Baltimore, the playoff game against Baltimore. Baltimore took advantage. Every little window they had, they took advantage. You know, had it not been for a really poorly missed um, pass interference call, Baltimore might have challenged for the win there. You know, they, they were in that game. Yeah, a little bit unfortunate with the referees making such a big decision. And, yeah, it was a pretty blatant miss. So, it's, I'm hoping, knock on wood, nothing like that happens again this week. Because, boy, will it be talked about. And well, I will say this is the least complaining I've heard from fans probably ever about mm-hmm. the officiating. You know, usually there are people who are screaming about the officiating. I haven't heard a whole lot of that this season. No. Thankfully, it's been clean. Yes, you're going to have some misses, some big misses, but I have to hand it to the league with the referees. They had some sort of meeting for the minds, and you're absolutely right. It has gotten a lot better. But, you know, the other side, too, that is with having, you know, five, team, five teams, two team, two games a weekend, you know, not only are the teams stacked with talent, but the refing crews are stacked with talent. Really, they only need two refing crews each week, and so they can put their best possible refs out there week in and week out right now. And I'm definitely hoping that the best crew, instead of the best individuals at each position, are calling this game. Because if we have the best crew, then that's just going to be another attribute because, hey, we won't be leaving it in their hands. Uh, you know, I don't think it's going to matter because they don't, they don't have that many refs right now. Like I said, you only ha- you only have, I mean, I'm sure they've got more than 10, but they only need 10 refs right. each week. So even if they do mix and match a little bit, I, I really, I would imagine all those guys work, and gals, work really well together. Well, it, you do bring up some good points there, and I'm really hoping that's the case because so far it's been great. There's just one game left to go. Let's have the refs finish strong so that way they can work together and work towards the 2018 season themselves when, from now for two referee crews, you'll eventually need three. Always a good thing. Yeah, ideally, they'll need, you know, five, ten. You know, <laughs> I want to get this thing big again. I mean, we maxed out at 19 teams. You know, that's, that's, mm-hmm. that's the league record is 19 teams. I know we can do better than that. And I oh, know this yeah. game has potential to be way better than that. Um, I, but you also do run to worry. Where's, where's it line come into now the talent's watered down? 
Now there's not enough players to go from team to team to actually make each team competitive. So there is that worry. Yeah, and that's why I say if they could ideally focus on getting it at 16, I think you would be good there. Good setup for scheduling, right amount of talent, set up your conferences and divisions. 16 is that magic number. Now, finally, in circling back to the game, I got my eye on a couple of key players. Mainly, and again, sticking with Tampa, Kendrick Ings. Can he continue his magic on special teams? Can he continue being the playmaker of the year? And on that same side, Joe Hills. He's got the regular season record, consecutive games with a touchdown, named wide receiver of the year. Can the two of them step up, beat this Philadelphia secondary, and give Hippert an easier time for him to make plays. Well, with with Hills, I mean, he's kind of like Shaq back back in the early two thousands. He's going to get his. There's nothing you can do about it. You just you may as well chalk one, two, three up to him each night because that's just what's going to happen. Um, Ings Ings is going to be Ings will be will be a difference maker. What kind of game he has? could influence how this game comes out. That's one of those take advantage of every opportunity. You know, if, if he can make a few few things happen, work his, his uh, special team's magic, this could, game could get real interesting real fast. Yeah, and, and this is what I'm hoping, because if you make field position easier, shorter drives, and especially as you get towards the end of the half, at the end of the game... Those shorter drives are going to mean a lot when it comes to different strategies, scoring management, onside kicks, what have you. But do you, I mean, aside from those two, do you have any particular players who you're going to keep your eye on? Uh, you know, for me, uh, money. Darius Reynolds. Mm-hmm. That guy's an absolute beast. Um, you know, he was he was one of the guys we had out in Iowa when we had that phenomenal receiving crew out in Iowa that we did nothing with. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> we... Um, I love watching the guy play. I thought he should have been a candidate last season for MVP. I see him making a big push for MVP um, this week. So would you see him as being potentially a renewable MVP or, I mean... No, a renewable MVP. Yeah. Yeah, like I said, I thought he should have had it last year. It came down to, I think SK won it, and he won it because he did something at the very end of the game. As mm-hmm. But money was there the entire game, scoring, scoring, scoring. Um, he just kind of went dry the, at the last quarter when SK jumped in. Yeah, and unfortunately, especially if it is close games, those voters, they're always going to look at fourth quarter, last five minutes, last two minutes, that last minute. So if you shine then, really the award is yours. So, but yeah, I looked, I'm looking forward to money. I think he's going to have a big game. He had a huge game in, in the playoff game. I think he's just going to continue to continue to ride that train. Yeah, and I'm hoping, eh, thinking Tampa Bay, it's like, hey, if you're listening, don't let money get in the bank. I'm just saying. But he's kind of like he kind of like Hills, though. There's just a certain point where he's going to get his, and SK is mm-hmm. going to get his, and I think that's that's what makes Tampa or sorry Philly so dangerous. Is who do you stop? You leave if you stop money. 
SK is going to eat you up. You stop SK, money's going to eat you up. That's just they're 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 and they they're deeper than that. But those two alone can mess up any team. Yeah, and this is a crazy thing. And I'm hoping that Tampa Bay can kind of match with their receiving core. Hills, he's going to get his. Hopefully, can Kendrick Ings do something? Can Lamar Brown do a little something? So that's you got a lot of different targets to look at. But here comes the big thing. It's the big moment. I know, and I'm probably going to regret this come Saturday night, but I stuck with them at the beginning of the season, season preview show, sticking with them now. I've got Tampa Bay pulling it off, taking this home. I know you've leaned toward it, but I gotta make it official. Who you got winning? I, I can't pick against Philly. I, I just think, like I said, top to bottom, they're just they're just too strong. Um, I do think if I do think if Tampa wins, Ings has a big a big contributing factor to that. But I just like I said, I don't see I don't see how Philly Philly can lose this. Alrighty, well there you have it, and I gotta let you go on one question so we can wrap up this season. Kendall, is the league going to survive another Philadelphia championship? Because the last two times they've lifted the trophy at the end of the year, the next season hasn't gone so swell. Well, we made it through this year, so uh, you know they <laughs> they survived that one. Um, granted, it was smaller, but they did survive it. Um, now you know they're going to be all right. They're all right, and and there's going to be a lot of growth and a lot of good things coming here in the next couple of years. Alrighty. Well, always good to leave on a high note. And want to thank you, Scott Soros. Thank my awesome co-host, who unfortunately couldn't make it, Stephen Irv. Going to have him definitely back sitting in the captain's seat next season. But, nevertheless, we wrapped up for 2017 this week in the AFL. You liked what you heard? write a review on iTunes give us 5 stars or if you're not on iTunes Stitcher, Spreaker, Google Play wherever whenever you get your apps we're there and while we appreciate you listening to this podcast if you want to hear more about football, soccer, wrestling video games, you name it w2mnet.com that's the place to be. But for the final time in 2017, I want to thank everybody again. This has been This Week in the AFL. And enjoy the Arena Bowl, and we will see you next year. The following podcast is a W2M Network original production. Visit W2Mnet.com for all of our other great podcasts. Plus news, reviews, articles, and opinions from the worlds of wrestling, video games, football, and entertainment. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. 
Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.